It's another week and another edition of the Pat Richter Show here on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. No Jim today. I'm Alex Strofe in for Jim, but happy to be joined by the great Pat Richter, former athletic director at the University of Wisconsin, joining us. Hi, Pat. How are you doing this week? Good, Alex. Nice to be with you. Nice to be with you as well, my friend. Lots to get into today as uh, the Atlanta Braves win the World Series. That's fun. The Wisconsin Badgers football team gets a big win over the weekend over number nine at the time. Iowa, the first college football poll comes out. But, Pat, on my way to the studio today, I noticed something at a local hotel. There was not one, but two Oscar Mayer Wienermobiles. Now, is is, is there... Ever a time where two of them are in the same place at the same time, or is that normal and I'm overreacting? Uh, no, I, it's, I've never heard of that, to be honest with you, unless there was some kind of a, a big promotion, whatever. But the fact that the, you know they closed down the operation here several years ago uh, is a little unusual, unless there's some kind of a historical perspective that they're maybe retiring one and putting it into the historical museum or something like that, or... They're having a big uh, celebration uh, anniversary. Uh, the company was uh, formed in 1883, so uh, that wouldn't be any kind of a special 150, 170, right. 200 years or whatever it is. So uh, that is unusual, but it's, uh, that I think to do a, you know, originally there was just one, and it became so uh, popular that when the anniversary, uh, 100th year anniversary, they made one for every region, and uh, they became very, very popular. And uh, police used to pull them over occasionally. They say, I'm, "I'm not pulling you over for any violation. I just want to see what look looked like inside <laughs> of this thing. I just want to can I get a, get inside of this?" And uh, so it was a great promotion and a very, very well uh, uh, known symbol of Oscar Mayer products. Oh, totally. And I remember as a kid growing up thinking it was the coolest thing in the world. But when I was driving into work, it was right by the at a hotel near the Alliant Energy Center. I saw two of them in the hotel parking lot, and I thought, "Huh, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to ask Pat about that because I've never seen two in the same place at the same time." But nonetheless, I, I digress on that. No, so. unless, unless they were in a garage or something getting fixed. Right. So uh, maybe I saw a once in a lifetime thing. Who knows? But nonetheless, Pat. Uh, A big win for Wisconsin football over the weekend, knocking down number 9 Iowa at Camp Randall. It was homecoming, it was Halloween, and uh, the fans stormed the field. So it was uh, was a big one, lots to get into there, but let's start with your initial reaction. Beating a top 10 team at Camp Randall Stadium, always a fun time for Wisconsin. Yeah, I didn't realize it hadn't happened for quite a while, but uh, the fact that they did uh, beat... uh number nine team, although I have to, I'd have to say that sure, surprisingly as to how the, uh, tough the, the defense was on their offense. And, uh, you know, it just didn't seem like a number nine team. The fact that they uh, made the big win against Penn State, I guess, was the factor. But everybody had talked about the fact that uh, they didn't really have much of an offense, and you never really believe that. 100%, and you think, well, how bad can it be? Well, it was bad, and but our defense is so good, it's hard to say how good or bad they were. But uh, certainly a dominating effect. Uh, I think that they just uh, jumped all over them, and it was uh, the linebacker crew that they've got there now is just uh, truly outstanding. And so the offense has given, been given a little bit of time to kind of get their act together and kind of catch up and uh, – Certainly with the running backs, and uh, Braylon Allen is really special, a special athlete. I think that clip that they had on 
television the other night that showed the fact that he was was bench pressing six hundred pounds. I mean, like, I mean, it was it was incredible. I mean, it looked like they must have grabbed every weight in the room to put on a bar. But uh, he's very special. But so, you know, and you look, think back on the season, and uh, you, you say, well, they had three losses. Well, those losses were to teams that were still, you know, in the top ten thereabouts with Notre Dame and Michigan, and uh, and uh, I think it was else was it uh, Notre Dame? Notre Dame, yeah. In Michigan, and uh, so they 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 really have probably won the games that they should have, and uh, maybe lost the ones that they should have. And, and the fact that Penn State has slept a little bit, but yeah. uh, the fact is, is that uh, Michigan maybe is is a good team, but you can see where they maybe get overhyped a little bit, and uh, so it's it still is like I say, is everything's in front of us, and it's a good path to uh, the uh, championship. And Minnesota's going to be the the kicker, and that'll be a tough game. But uh, you can't look past uh, Rutgers and Northwestern because that's when you get in trouble. Yeah, no, that's really well said. And, and we talked about it a bit on Wisconsin College Game Day, me and Monte Ball this past week. And, you know, that early season stretch where you have Notre Dame, you have Michigan, uh, you have Penn State – while while the Badgers disappointed a bit starting the season one and three for the first time since 1990, uh, it still made them tougher, and I think that's that's helping them now long term throughout the season as they get a a second straight win over a ranked opponent. So uh, do do I view that in a in a decent sense, Pat? The the, the way that I view the beginning of the season, you know, while they lost three games uh, of their first four, I feel like it's helping them now long term. Absolutely. I think if you look at those games, at least uh, from my perspective, you looked at the game, I mean, it wasn't a total domination by any team against Wisconsin. I mean, it was all of a sudden we collapsed towards the end of the game. It just didn't have that staying power, and we uh, the defense was still growing. The offense was uh, not as effective. The running backs were just getting started. And so I think that they, the fact that they had a, an experience where they didn't win when maybe they thought that they were going to be a little bit better than they turned out to be early on, uh, meant something. And that's really probably what they saying, hey, we don't want to get in this position again. And so eventually it became a little bit uh, difficult. And when the fact they realized that they had done something with the three losses the first time in so long a period of time, you know, that sinks in. And you get a little bit embarrassed. And so I think it's a little combination of everything, but you're exactly right. It really steeled them for what were they coming ahead. Yeah, no doubt about it. This is the Pat Richter Show. He is former Wisconsin Athletic Director Pat Richter. I'm Alex Strofe, hanging out with you here on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. So, Pat, you mentioned it at the top, right? I mean, this linebacker crew for Wisconsin has just been ridiculously good, led by Leo Chanel and Jack Sanborn. Uh, You know, Chanel, I don't know if you caught this on the game against Iowa, in Sharpie marker on his arm had death row written. I mean, that is completely terrifying if you're playing against that. He's been, uh, he missed the first two games of the season, and now he's a finalist for just about, uh, or semifinalist rather, for just about every major award in the country. So Leo Chanel is, is, is a really, really special player. He really is, and uh, of course, uh, when they give it a little bit of clip in terms of the family, I mean, what a wonderful story that yeah. is. I mean, 16 kids. I mean, uh, you can tell they just uh, love to play. I think Grantsburg kind of rang a bell, and I think, isn't that usually what's considered the coldest spot in Wisconsin in the wintertime? It's, it's, I think it's one of the really cold yeah. cold areas, but uh, a great story for a family like that, and it just shows what uh, hard work and uh, perseverance and 
attitude can do for you. And he, uh, a great leader, uh, it just, you know, he just figured, well, we'll pick up on Chanel, and all of a sudden it's Sanborn and the, the other guys have started to pick up a little bit as well. And uh, I think it's as good a, a group of linebackers playing together as we've ever had. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree, right? I mentioned Jack Sanborn as well as Nick Herbig, who has made a big impact this while this year as well. So that defense has been so fun to watch. Jimmy Leonard again puts together one of the best groups in the country, and I think that's that's a big reason for this midseason turnaround, right? I mean, the defense keeps them in games against Iowa. You saw twenty seven points. So you saw the offense do more than I feel like they typically have uh, earlier in the year, but. This defense just really keeps you in games and allows you to to win games. It's been fascinating to see what Jim Leonard's been able to put together this year. Yeah, and I guess a little credit's got to go to I think Bob Bostad is the yeah. linebacker coach, and you got to give him a shout out because we're distant cousins, and so we're related a little bit. Oh, really? Uh, yes, his father and and uh, and I have the same great grandfather. So oh, wow. Been, a little bit historic. It's a little close, but but he he's done a good job with them. And I think the fact that uh, you know they just seem to do everything instinctively. It's not a question of you see them and are looking at the sideline, wondering what are we going to do now, or that type of thing. I mean, it's just automatic. I mean, Jimmy Leonard's given those signals just very simple. You know, it doesn't care who sees what they are. And most times they're standing in front of people and trying to hide the signal and everything else. And uh, they just uh, just do everything so well. I mean, you really you peel back the onion a little bit in terms of Jim, in terms of what he's done. You know, they talk about playing the NFL and being a walk-on and running back kicks mm-hmm. and get a kick out of those old clips because the shoulder pads look bigger than he was. And, uh, <laughs> and so, but then the fact that when he was with the Baltimore Ravens, I mean, he was the guy that called the signals. It wasn't Ray Lewis. I mean, he was Jimmy Leonard was the guy that was calling the defensive signals, and that's really a great tribute to the. You know the real knowledge and understanding of the defense that he has, and it's certainly glad to have him with us. I mean, I think that everybody realizes he probably could name his his uh, price if he wanted to be a coach someplace else. But I think he re- realizes, and understandably so, that once you get on that uh, that uh, kind of treadmill, so to speak, of coaches and whatever, all of a sudden you get away from where people really love you in terms of Wisconsin and everything else, and you get to call your shot here. And to get to someplace else, it's not. Uh, there's no loyalty there at all in terms of uh, making a change. It's just quick producing. Not that he couldn't produce, but it just gets to be a real rat race for your family. Yeah, that's that's really well said. I mean, it, we're all interested by it, right? Because that's a guy that got offered the Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator job and ended up turning it down. Uh, so we'll see what happens with him, but. For the time being, he'll remain in the Wisconsin, uh, D.C., and we're very happy about that. But one thing I want to ask you, Pat, before we move on to uh, the college football polls and, and what's next for the Badgers, uh, the fans storming the field. You mentioned it's been a while. It's been about 10 years since the fans have had the opportunity to do that, whether it's, uh, you know, they've typically been a ranked team. They've typically been the higher-ranked team when they play at Camp Randall. To be unranked and playing a top-10 team, they don't get this opportunity much. So uh, as long as everybody's safe. It's always cool to see, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I, we always, of course, went through the uh, the surge at the Michigan game years ago, and it, and I never forget coming out of the locker room because when they came down and said there's a problem out in the stadium, and we had gone off the field, and they came back out, and then I hear somebody saying, "Well, we've got four or five pulseless non-breathers," and 
that really kind of straightens you up quite fast. Wow. And uh, and so I think that uh, they put in a lot of safety devices and the railings and and the space between the uh, the stands and students and things like this. And yet it looked like it was very measured. And I I didn't see anything that indicated that they were going to try to stop them from coming on the field. I think they probably the way it's set up in terms of uh, the way the safety devices were put into effect is saying if, in fact, it's going to happen, this is the way it will happen. And so it seemed very orderly. But it's still always uh, a big question with respect to uh, – the fans and the players, especially the opposing players, and uh, in some places, I think was what Iowa State was fined two hundred fifty thousand dollars by the league for allowing that to happen. So it's it's something very serious, but luckily it was uh, a very uh, good a celebration. Everybody enjoyed it. It was a great day, and it was uh, it was good to see it happen, and as you say, safely. Yeah, and you mentioned that. I mean, how many of those did you have to oversee, Pat? Or how many, uh, you know, field rushes or court rushes had you been a part of? I know, obviously, the one you're referring to against Michigan, but but how many in total do you think you saw, and and what what goes with that territory? Well, it wasn't uh, it wasn't too many, to be honest with you. I think right. that the the strange thing about it is the week following the Michigan situation, we were a week or two of the next home game, we were. I think we we're playing Ohio State, and uh, we had a last-second field goal to to win the game. Otherwise, it was going to result in a, I believe, a tie. And okay. uh, it was a long field goal; it was just barely missed. But it was ironic that that could have turned out exactly like what happened in Michigan. All of a sudden, at the end of the game, everything is poised on one play, or saying, you know, they run out the clock, and everybody understands what that is, and there's a surge. That could have happened again, and so that was really a big concern. It was ironically, it was just turning out to be exactly the same as Michigan, but fortunate or unfortunate. <laughs> I mean, we like to won the game, but it could have been an issue if uh, that would happen. But it's been pretty measured, maybe more so in basketball than in football. But uh, I think once you get used to it, and everybody's very comfortable, and you you know, expect to win, uh, it becomes a little less uh, exciting because uh, that's what you're supposed to do. Fair enough. This is the Pat Richter Show, 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. We welcome you back to the Pat Richter Show here on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. I'm Alex Strofe alongside former Wisconsin Athletic Director Pat Richter as we uh, dive in a little bit more on some college football. The first edition of the college football playoff rankings come out this week. It's good to see Wisconsin on this version of the rankings. They are not ranked in the AP poll this week. Uh, They are at number 21 in the college football playoff rankings. So, Pat, with that coming out just yesterday, what what was your initial reaction to Wisconsin being ranked number 21 in these rankings? Well, it seemed to uh, have to happen that way. I think that they kind of backed into it, so to speak, because I think the committee had uh, ranked uh, <laughs> Iowa up there at like what twenty one or so, just and, behind them, yeah, twenty two, yeah, twenty two, and they figured, well, if they did that, doesn't make any sense to have the team that just beat them pretty soundly to be on the back end of that and be outside of that, and so I think they plugged it in there, and I think they all realize that it's a it's a long shot at this stage, and uh, I'm not sure why they go that deep into it because it's rare if ever anybody that deep uh, down the line is gotten into it because generally speaking those are the two and some maybe sometimes three lost teams uh 
Yeah. And so, but it's always good to be mentioned because it's bragging rights, back that you're mentioned at all. And uh, if they can uh, run the table here and give a good position at the uh, playoffs, you know, you can get yourself a good bowl game. But, uh, you know, certainly the championships are, are by the wayside. And it's, it, But I, yeah, I think that uh, sometimes it's a little bit early to get all wrapped up into this stuff in terms of I'm not sure why they start right now. And uh, you might as well just meet at the end of the season rather than you. But the longer you do this ahead of time, the more chances are you're going to put yourself into a box. And sometimes that's happened. And maybe a little less so with uh, four. And they'll, they'll have a chance at some point in time in the future, maybe do eight. But uh, I think it's it's all uh, smoke and mirrors many times. And uh, yeah. the th- thing they'll be playing with this year is going to be Cincinnati, how they manufacture that. and manipulate that and they, they got a chance to be do something special here and if they can run the table uh you're gonna have to keep them in there yeah their shot's really good they're ranked six right now cincinnati is with an eight no record but the big 10 overall pat well represented michigan state does make the top four they're at number three with a perfect eight no record ohio state not far behind at number five michigan's at number seven uh, and then it goes all the way down to Minnesota at 20, Wisconsin at 21, Iowa at 22. So that's your representation from the Big Ten. Three teams in the top ten. Well, really, three teams in the top seven. So you like to see the Big Ten well represented. And uh, leading the way is Michigan State and a former Badger and head coach Mel Tucker. Yeah, that's a, that's a real uh, neat factor is the fact that uh, one of our former student athletes is uh, running the Michigan State program and doing very quite well. and. The fact that he beat uh, Michigan and Harbaugh is really special. I think, you know, everybody was talking about the fact that uh, I think they kind of assumed that this was the year that they were Michigan was going to beat uh, Michigan State and uh, everything would get back to normal and the domination that they've had over Michigan State over the years. But uh, Mel did a great job, and he's uh, he was with Ohio State for a period of time, so he understands that dynamic and that. Rivalry and the intensity, and uh, and so now Harbaugh is faced with the prospect of having to beat Ohio State to kind of salvage the season because that's most cases in Michigan that's that is the season either beating beating both Michigan State and Ohio State, and most recently certainly there's just kind of hanging out in the last game of the season with Ohio State yeah. to at least have a fifty fifty chance of uh, of beating uh, the two schools. Yeah, no doubt about it. It was good to see. Mel get that win over Michigan, but now it, it makes it a little bit more cloudy. What's gonna how the Big Ten is gonna play out? We know the Big Ten West probably is gonna go down to that final matchup between Minnesota and Wisconsin. The Big Ten East doesn't look a lot easier. Michigan State leading the way right now, but Ohio State still well in it as is Michigan technically. So uh, we're we're getting down to the nitty gritty here, Pat. Yeah, I think uh, it's always kind of the way it was years ago. When Michigan, or excuse me, Minnesota and Wisconsin played the last game of the season, that was always a special game. It was right around Thanksgiving, and uh, usually had some uh, championship implications and bowl games. Certainly, and we played in one of those in 1962, and it was very controversial. and uh, And that gave us the win, gave us the chance to go to the Rose Bowl. And so, many times in the past, that's the way it's been. So it'll be a it'll be a tough one being up there and everything else. Uh, and uh, the row the boat guy is going to be all cranked up and everything else. And so uh, hopefully maybe somebody will chance to bump him off before that time and give us a little bit of breathing room. 
I, I certainly hope so, too. I hope they row right out of our way. You know what I'm saying, Pat? I mean, that, that would be the most ideal uh, scenario. But uh, before we move on from college football playoff and, and, and take a look at uh, the upcoming schedule for Wisconsin, uh, you mentioned it a bit ago, right? Maybe they'll eventually expand it to eight teams. They're currently at four. What's your preference? Do you have an opinion on where you'd like to see it at, six, eight? Well, I tell you what, I, I'm not a big proponent of expansion of it. I, yeah. I think that you could go to 20 and this people wouldn't be happy because if you're 21, you're, you're left yeah. out. Yeah. And so uh, I think that it wasn't too bad when you had two. We did, I think it's all a question of revenue and money. And I mean, there's so much money on the table for it right now that that's uh, the most of the rationale. It has nothing to do with you know, setting up a good championship system or whatever, like basketball or whatever it might be. It's just a question of revenue, and it's so, it's so lucrative that I doubt that most people can bear the the, uh, the chance to pass up on a good payday. And so uh, it's liable to happen, but I think that it seems, doesn't seem like it's it's uh, it's gotten as much traction as it started to. And so I think maybe there's a little bit of commentary in terms of you know they're happy with four and things like this. I, I think four is reasonable, and it's doable without expanding a season, making this a long season for the players. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I really do like the, the four-team playoff. I think it works. I think it's effective. But uh, Cincinnati's going to be a telling tale of if my opinion changes here. If they're undefeated, I think they have to be in, given uh, the losses, especially that we've seen in the Big Ten, aside from Michigan State. So uh, we will see as time rolls on as we get closer to the playoff. But uh, excited to see how everything shakes out. At the top, Wisconsin in the rankings makes me happy, Pat, but I don't think they're going to get much higher than 21 this year, uh, just given how they started out, but but we will see. Uh, Wisconsin rolling into Piscataway uh, to take on Rutgers this weekend. Pat, I've got to ask you, A, have you been to Piscataway, and B, what is the bo- most boring city in the Big Ten? No, I've never been to Piscataway. <laughs> uh, probably the closest when we were in the Meadowlands, of the one of the bowl games out there in the classics and uh, played Syracuse. But uh, I, as far as uh, the cities are concerned, I don't want to malign anybody. But some are a little bit. I know when you first started playing at Penn State, you know you had to fly into uh, I think it was Harrisburg, and they, one of the requisites of getting into the Big Ten was to expand the runway so you could fly in there. Wow. That didn't exist when we first started out, so it was that was quite a kind of a lengthy trip. And uh, you know the the other ones, I mean, uh, you know, we all had. In fact, we had a chance to get to a lot of them back when we were playing in in, uh, in Wisconsin because you travel in basketball and baseball as well, so you got a chance to see them in different seasons and things like this. But uh, they're all good towns, good college towns. It's it's really very difficult to not be a, a, a good environment when you have a college system right around your your area. It's something to keep you young and vibrant and exciting, and I think that that's, that's what the Big Ten has some pretty good towns. I mean, Iowa City, not very big, not very well-known, but a great town. Yeah. And uh, and so I, I and Nebraska's got a lot of good things to, to, uh, to talk about. So it's pretty much uh, Indiana's quiet, Purdue's quiet, and uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State's are all a little bit more yeah. metropolitan. 
Yeah, no, you know me, Pat. I like to poke fun just given that, that Madison is such a fun city in comparison to some of the other ones in the Big Ten. So let me flip the question. Is there another Big Ten city that you really enjoyed visiting uh, more than others? Well, oddly enough, uh, Minnesota, before it got a little nutty, was a good place to be. But uh, I guess of all the schools and places to visit, uh, I would have to say right with the new uh, with the new additions to the Big Ten, I think that uh, Nebraska has got about as much to offer as anything. It's, it's quite a sports town, and uh, it was enjoyable. The people are great and uh, very accommodating, and uh, just seem to be good Midwestern people. Fair enough. I, I I figured Minnesota might be one of your answers, just because I know there's a long history there, but. Uh, very, very intriguing. So, well, the reason uh, the reason it was is because back when we were in school, it was always the last game of the year, and every other year we'd of course go up there and we'd take the train and uh, oh, okay. we'd actually stay overnight after the game. And so when we beat them in 1961, and they were going to the Rose Bowl, it was quite a post game celebration, and uh, it would be a nightmare for an athletic director, I would guess. But uh, we had a great time, a lot of fans, and going to Murray's and people buying your steaks and things like this and all <laughs> things like that. It's just crazy, but uh, those are the good old days. Yeah, 60 years ago, Pat, 1961. What, what do you remember about that season? That sounds like such a fun trip. Well, it was a uh, it was a good, a good season. It was I was junior that year, and we went into Minnesota, and uh, the, they had clinched the birth of the Rose Bowl. They had Bobby, uh, Bobby Bell, Sandy Stevens, sure. uh, Tom Hall, and the first play of the game, we had kicked off to them, and they got the ball at about the 20-yard line. And uh, The first play of the game, they, you see in the film, Sandy Stevens is up under center, and he looks out to the right to the flanker, and Tom Hall is waving his arms, and like getting his, trying to get his attention because we only had 10 men on the field. We didn't have a cornerback out there and covering him. So he, he snapped the ball, just stood up, threw the ball to him, went 80 yards for a touchdown. So we started off down seven to nothing the first play of the game but we ended up beating them and uh, i think that kind of gave us a springboard for the rose bowl the next year definitely you've got it you've got the best memory in the world man i can't even remember what i ate for dinner last night and you can tell me all about a game played 60 years ago that's that's amazing well, it's a good test to imagine i don't have any concussion problems there you go. There you go. We'll put it that way, indeed. Uh, we'll continue to talk some football, but we'll go to the NFL next. As the Green Bay Packers are atop the ESPN.com power rankings, we'll see what Pat Richter has to say about it. We'll do it next. It's the Pat Richter Show, 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. We welcome you back to the Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. Uh, the last time we talked to Pat was a day before the Packers took on the Arizona Cardinals. They ended up getting the job done in a pretty fun fashion as they beat Arizona on Thursday Night Football down their top three receivers a week ago. Pat, it's been about a week. It's all sunk in. What's your uh, gut reaction to the Packers' huge win against the final undefeated team in football? Well, that was an exceptional win, I think, just given the dynamics of of the travel and the fact that they just finished playing on Sunday, uh, a tough game, and uh, then they've got to turn around and make a trip out to Arizona, uh, change in weather, time, everything else, and a short week. You know, sometimes in the NFL you really wonder what they're doing with the scheduling. You have a team that's at home, and then they get chance to get a visiting team in an important game like that. And it was 
kind of build to be kind of a predecessor, precursor to the uh, the uh, playoffs and things like this. Murray had gotten an awful lot of hype and publicity about him. He got good receivers, and and of course with ours getting you know, decimated right off the bat with the Devontae and Allen and the, and things like that. It was just a brutal situation, and the cornerbacks were already bad. I mean, you look at the outside and both side, both cornerbacks, both the linebackers out. And but the unusual thing about it, it was it wasn't mentioned a big deal, is the fact that the Packers had been six and zero without uh, Devontae Adams. So, I mean, that's either there's a scheming situation, and it's certainly uh, unusual to hear that that was the case because uh, you know he's such an exceptional athlete. And so the fact that they uh, started off well and uh, and he kept uh, kept him off of uh, Aaron and got him a chance to move around a little bit uh, was uh, was really the key to the game. And the defense, by the exception, well, they had a big push up the middle, and uh, and the young guys that are cornerbacks and defensive backs played well, and they just uh, seemed to do things well and uh, and got in, got in good shape. And Merciless did a good job on defense, and in addition, and so I, the people they've added here of late have done a good job. And I think that that really transmits into either a good rapport going on with the front office or what's going on, but they want to be there. And the nice thing about it, I think, is the fact that you see Aaron, uh, his attitude is, is really exceptional, and he's really excited. He loves his team, and uh, I think that that's, that's what you really want to see happen because we don't know what's going to happen beyond this season. But I think the fact that what they're able to accomplish with the people that are out that uh, they're on on the sideline with injuries and things like this, I think, is a real testament to the fact that, that everybody's playing well. They're they're kind of put everything beside and on the back burner, so to speak. And uh, and you got a smile on his face, and I think that uh, that's what you want to see if you're a fan because that makes uh, makes things for next year look a little better because everybody else has got some kind of problems and going somewhere else doesn't necessarily the the antidote for unhappiness. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I mean, Aaron looks happier than he has really all season. I mean, it's been a trending theme, I, I, I would say, given that uh, his happiness has seemed to have gone up. Uh, you know, he talked earlier this week about the relationship with Brian Gutekunst. He said the conversations have been very good, which is something he never would have said uh, even a year ago, Pat. So it's it's seeming that like this team is really becoming a a, uh, a world-class team because they all have the same goal in mind, obviously, and that is to win a Lombardi trophy. So to see some of the concessions being made for, from the front office side of things has been important, I think, to Aaron's Aaron's thoughts about uh, you know the, the team as a whole. No question about it. I think that uh, that's very important, and I think that uh, you know I think that what they're doing is is good because it's smoothing things out a little bit. And I, I don't think that you're going to see any big abrupt change in in demeanor and whatever at the end of the season. I think it's, if everything is seamless a little bit, there's fewer surprises, and I think that puts everybody in a good space. And it's not nobody's having to backtrack. Nobody's having to to uh, eat any words and things like this. And I think that that's a good good healthy sign because I think that this goes to prove that under the right circumstances, this team can be as good as anybody. And I don't think they've played their best football yet either. So mm. I, I think that uh, that's a real positive. 
I love when you say that. That gives me so much hope and confidence, Pat. They haven't played their best <laughs> football yet. Uh, but you're right, right? I mean, they, they beat the best team we thought in football at the time uh, without Devontae Adams, without Alan Lazar, without MVS, without Jair Alexander, without Zedaria Smith. It's pretty incredible to see what this team has been able to do. They've now, they're now winners of seven in a row dealing with all these injuries uh, and, and some COVID problems as well. They were without their defensive coordinator, too. I forgot to mention that. So uh, it's, it's pretty unreal what they've been able to do. But uh, just a minute ago, you mentioned a bunch of names that were able to step up in that win over Arizona. And, and I think one you didn't bring up was Randall Cobb, who had two touchdowns. And that's one of the guys that Aaron Rodgers wanted Brian Gutekunst to go out and get, and he did. And it's seeming like that transaction has really paid off over the course of the last few weeks. Yeah, it really has. And I think in that regard, you know, they got him making smiles to uh, Aaron's face, and uh, he's doing something really well for for not only the team, but for Randall Cobb. And I think that uh, it just goes to prove that sometimes you think uh, there's not much gas left in the tank and guys with age or whatever, but uh, given the right circumstances, they can play well. I just wanted to mention, too, sometimes it's not as good as the thing seems to be. I mean, everybody was so gung-ho about the Buccaneers and whatever, and all of a sudden the uh, Saints come in and take them apart. And mm-hmm. I think that's what I've kind of said for a long time. My personal opinion was that had uh, Aaron had the kind of protection Tom Brady's had over the years, I think he would have been just as good as, as Brady has been in terms of success. And I think that when he gets pressure on Tom Brady, He's just he's just a guy, and uh, and he turtled up and and it was uh, they smothered him a couple times, and so I think if you don't have the kind of protection, you know, it's a different ball game. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I mean, there's no question Tom Brady is an incredible quarterback, right? But. The talent that Aaron Rodgers possesses is is really unlike anybody we've ever seen. I mean, he, he's he's got to be up there when it comes in terms of the most talented quarterback of all uh, all time. Because in terms of raw talent, there's not very many quarterbacks that have played the game of football like Aaron Rodgers. No, and I think that they still Marvin Aikman and the guys in the booth are just amazed at what he can do. Is going sideways, going. Re- backwards and throwing the ball with his authority and the, the, the kind of over across the body and things like this, running if he has to, sticking his nose on. I think that was the other thing about it, too, that any time a quarterback does that, like what he did in running like that, put your head down and try to bust into the goal line, is, is going to get an awful lot of attention for your teammates. And I think that that's the type of thing. Everybody seems to be sharing the uh, the load. And uh, all you can do is hope that uh, start to get some of these guys back with Bakhtiari and Zedaria Smith and the cornerbacks, King and Alexander. And there's an awful lot of guys that are banged up. And so hopefully they're going to get them all back at the right time. And uh, towards this 14th game with coming up with the Seahawks, which will be very difficult. But uh, but I think that that's where everybody's hopeful is that we can – just keep eking it out and then get everybody back together and uh, play the kind of capable ball that they're capable of playing when they're all healthy. Yeah, I heard something this week that that stuck out to me, and that was uh, kind of Bill Belichick's philosophy of, of the football season, right? And, and I, I wonder if you view it the same way at the professional level. November is when you want to start playing your best football because you you, you peak at the right time, and, and football is a big sport in terms of where that's important. Do you view it as November is really the time where you want to start playing your best football? 
Well, I think so. I, obviously, you, you you can't afford to lose a lot of games up front because otherwise, then it won't make much difference. But right. uh, I think that certainly when you get down to crunch time, when things are getting a little bit uh, stale and people are getting a lot of film out there and seeing what they've been done, it's very difficult to drive anything new. Uh, I think certainly one of the other peaking at the right time. I, one of the guys at the University, John Detman, mentioned to me one time that you know, in terms of coming into practice in terms of the early season, whatever he said, we don't like to have committed a hundred percent then because you can't maintain that for the whole season. So around the, you know, third, fourth, fifth games, things like that, we'd like to have them peaking. Well, if you're peaking then, then you're trying to maintain the rest of the season, but 17 games is pretty tough. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how everybody satisfies that, that objective uh, this year with a different schedule. Definitely. Uh, yeah, now the extra game certainly throws a wrench into things, but, uh, you know, m- money rules all, Pat. We talked about it a bit earlier, uh, and that's certainly the case in the National Football League with the extra week. But nonetheless, uh, the Packers get a good one this week. Well, maybe. The Chiefs look a little broken, but we finally get Rodgers versus Mahomes. You pretty excited to see this quarterback matchup, or has that uh, has that anticipation waned a little bit, given how Kansas City is uh, struggling a little bit? Well, I'd like to have him keep struggling, because you know darn well it's still there. Mahomes is an athlete, and he's a proud athlete, and he's going to do everything he can, especially against Aaron Rodgers, to uh, to kick it up a notch. And so hopefully he's not going to have his, his game there, because right now they're playing very poor in terms of uh, the, the way that they're they're handling the opponents. But uh, you always know that there's some danger in there somewhere, and Andy Reid's a pretty smart guy, especially when it comes to the Packers. So you can't take this one for granted for sure. No doubt about it. Should be a good one on Sunday. We will recap the World Series win for the Atlanta Braves next. This is the Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. We welcome you back to the Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. Alex Schroff alongside former Wisconsin Athletic Director Pat Richter. And before we wrap up, Pat, we've got to talk about the World Series. It came to a close last night as the Braves win the series over the Houston Astros 4-2. to But the most incredible stat that I just can't really comprehend is now three straight years the Milwaukee Brewers have been eliminated by the eventual MLB World Series champions. Isn't that is that frustrating? Is that a good thing? I don't really know how to take it yet. Well, I think it's very frustrating because I think that uh, you know we like to think that we had as good a, of, a, of a staff as uh, Atlanta did. Certainly, they had a very strong lineup, but I thought that we had our strongest lineup we've had in a long, long time. But you know, with power, I mean, the thing about these games nowadays is that anybody that comes to the plate has the ability to take it, play, take it out of the park. And, uh, you know, Solaire last night, I mean, he jumped all over that first pitch and was hit, I was hit 448 feet or something like that. It seemed like it was about 600. And so <laughs> everybody uh, contributed, and uh, everybody's a home run. Uh, I think they said, what, 80% of the runs or so or thereabouts were scored off of a home run. Yeah. And, uh, but it is frustrating because it just seemed like we, it's almost like the Bucks were the year before, you know, success, 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 and then you get into the playoffs and all of a sudden, boom, and you hit, uh, hit the bottom. And so uh, uh, you just need to be healthy and, and the guys not, you know, we just never had the, the time when the guys are all hitting together in that playoff against the 
Atlanta. And still had a chance to to pull it off. But, uh, you know, I guess the one thing you can say, well, that's the only team that beat us. And uh, you feel good about that, but it doesn't give you any uh, trophies on the shelf. No, you're totally right about that. But you can't help but think, you know, uh, the late, great Hank Aaron. Got to be looking down and, and pretty happy with uh, who, who won this World Series. Uh, the Atlanta Braves winning their first title for the first time since uh, 1995. Yeah, I was uh, rooting for him, not necessarily just because they beat the Brewers. But I think that uh, Houston has always been a little bit of a kind of an asterisk there. Of what went on a couple years ago, and people can't get around that. But uh they got a very powerful lineup. It just seemed like when they're, I think Alvarez wasn't hitting the ball in the playoffs as well as he had previously. And that when that happened, it took a lot of power out of there and a lot of, lot of things took away from their bats. But, uh, you know, it was good to see a Snitker win. Yeah, everybody was saying he's a good baseball guy and, and he really was uh, a long-term success. And uh, it's good to see it happen. And I think... You know, having it happen to Atlanta, given after they were forced to get rid of the uh, All-Star game and things like this, I think it probably rubs a little bit into Rob Manfred's uh, face a little bit. And so they probably didn't mind that a bit. And to be able to accept the trophy from him after having to move that game yeah. uh, meant an awful lot to people from Atlanta. That's a great point that I, that I kind of forgot about. Um, and that's something... That certainly does rub in the face of Rob Manfred, who's probably had quite a few things rubbed in his face over his tenure as commissioner of the MLB. But nonetheless, Atlanta tops Houston four games to two in the MLB World Series. In the third straight year, the Brewers lose to or get eliminated by the eventual World Series champs. Maybe 2022 is their year, Pat, but uh, that, that's just such an odd statistic. I wonder if there's another streak like that ever in, in sports. I, I, I've never heard anything quite like that one. No, because you really uh, you think of the, uh, the, the All-Star games, things like that, it seems like the American League has had their way. And right. realized the last three World Series champions have been in the National League. So uh, you know, it's time to turn it around. That big I think when you look at Atlanta, they've got some free agency stuff that is going to be coming up to uh, to uh, deal with. The same with the Dodgers, and so it's going to be an interesting off season. See what they do to improve. I mean, it's kind of more surgical. It's not a big hammer blow and blow it up and start all over again. It's just uh, picking their spots and uh, some of the places where they're a little bit over stocked, and they can maybe get some good pitching there, or some additional pitching and. Uh, you know, it was interesting to see Corey Kniebel even hanging around mm-hmm. playing pitching so uh, playoffs. And so uh, it's going to be a good offseason, I would think, and being able to just say not just stand pat, but to do something that's going to improve their chances. And uh, and while the other teams are having the difficulty keeping on to maybe hold on to a lot of the uh, free agencies that they got and the staff. You know that about it. Orlando Arcia also getting a ring with with Atlanta or, or Atlanta, excuse me, the former Brewer. So good to see. Well, Pat, that does it for us today. Appreciate the time as always, and hope you enjoy your weekend, pal. Thanks, Alex, for sitting in. Appreciate it. See you next week. See you next week. That's Pat Richter, former Wisconsin Athletic Director. This has been the Pat Richter Show, one hundred point five ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin on demand.